You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up dubious advice, but only the finest television and movie recommendations for what ails you. As usual, our disclaimer, we are not real therapists, but we are real TV and movie critics. And Rafer, we have a lot of great letters to get to today. Shall we start with the first one here from Second Choice Emily? Yeah, Second Choice Emily says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I recently started a new job, and I'm super excited about it. It is the first job I've ever landed by going through the entire hiring process, as opposed to transitioning from intern to staff, and I was really proud of myself for successfully earning this position, which has great pay and benefits, and it's in a town I love. However, a couple days into the job, I overheard a coworker who I interviewed with during the process say something about, quote, a candidate who had another opportunity. This was said very quietly, so I didn't hear the whole conversation, but I think she was telling someone that their original choice for my role was someone else. That made me feel really deflated. Everyone here has been very nice. I like the work, and I still think it was a great decision to come work here, but I'm worried I won't be able to shake that feeling of being the backup decision. Do you have any advice and viewing recommendations to help me move forward and feel confident after hearing these comments? Yes. Second choice, Emily. My first bit of advice is to remember, you're our first choice, Emily. Yes. So that's just one thing. Keep that in your heart. Rafer and I, you're our first choice. But I'm going to also tell you something that maybe doesn't get discussed very often. Uh, My husband is a CTO, a chief technology officer. One of the jobs he has is hiring team members. And he's hired hundreds of people over the years for various jobs. And he's also been turned down hundreds of times from people who've said, thank you for the offer, but I actually accepted a job offer elsewhere. And it's very common. That doesn't mean that the second person my husband calls is bad. The fact that they even made it into his top three list means that they are exceptional. Because any time a company offers somebody a job, that means that they believe in you, 
They know that you can do the job. And maybe you were the second choice or maybe you were the third choice. Very likely you were because that's just the way the world works. Yep. And that does not mean that you're bad at your job. It does not mean that they don't think you're capable. It just means you were one of the three finalists. And being a final three is not a bad thing to be. I look at the Olympic podium. I'm like, I don't care if you're silver, bronze, or gold. All of you are superstars here. All of you are. Nobody's a loser here. I completely agree. And I think I would say the second choice, Emily, it's work. It's not your personal life. Um, If you were your husband's second choice, I might say, all right, that might be something to think about. But work, (laughs) you know, who cares, man? I remember... When I left the Wall Street Journal and applied to Newsday to become their rock critic, and I wanted it, and I wanted it, and I wanted it, and there was um, there was at least one other candidate that I, I I'm not positive I knew about it, but I think I put some two and twos, some twos and some twos together, and I had a feeling that there was another candidate applying for this, and he was good, and I remember thinking, oh God, I'm sunk, I'm sunk, I'm sunk. I hope that guy gets hit by a car. I'm sunk. Um, <laughs> and now what I'm saying is, ultimately, I don't know what happened, right? Did did they choose me first? Did they offer that guy the position and he went somewhere else or decided, no, I'm happy where I am or whatever, or the money wasn't good enough? I have no idea. I To this day, I have no idea like whose choice I was or like what where I ranked or what happened. Don't know. Don't care. I wanted that job. I got it. That's all I cared about. And Emily, I would say the exact same thing to you. It's work. You're the one who's got the job. It's your job now. So long, everybody else. Too bad, suckers. It's your job. Go for it. Yeah. Enjoy it. Who cares if you were second? Enjoy it. And by the way, we don't even know if you were second. That's right. We overheard a snippet of something. Exactly. That may or may not have had anything to do with you. Exactly. So, yeah. Do as they say in Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. (laughs) I totally agree. (laughs) But, Rafer, what are we going to prescribe to Second Choice, Emily? Okay. I chose Broadcast News from 1987. Uh, Classic. Yes. Holly Hunter. Oh, so good. An absolute absolute classic. Uh, Really one of the best movies you'll ever see. So let me just set the stage. It's a love triangle. It takes place in a television news bureau in Washington, D.C., Two guys in love with the same woman. That's Holly Hunter. She plays Jane Craig. Super talented, super ambitious, pretty uptight television reporter. Her life is her work. There's no room for anything else, Uh, which is too bad for her collaborator, uh, played by Albert Brooks. He plays Aaron Altman. He's also very talented, very ambitious, cares deeply about the news, and he's secretly in love with Jane, maybe not so secretly. And then the station makes a new hire, a guy named Tom Grunick. He's played by William Hurt. He's handsome, he's likable, he's charming, he's kind of dumb, but he's got that TV thing, (laughs) and he's a winner, he's a success, his career's taking off, and Jane, to Aaron's horror, falls in love with Tom. Here's a clip. Muammar Gaddafi. New copy coming in. We now have Gaddafi on the screen. We have effects. Gaddafi's Chiron. Aaron. You look a little soft on two. Yes. Hi. Listen, the pilot that shot down the Libyan in 1981 is stationed right here. Maybe you can get him. Also, Tom should say the F-14 is one of the hardest planes to fly, and they're nicknamed Tomcats. Thank you. Said Gaddafi, this is not war. The, joint the F-14 is one of the most difficult planes to master. They're called Tomcats. Tom? George, isn't the F-14 Tomcat one of the most difficult machines for a pilot to master? 
I think you're right. In the 70s, uh, the first crop had a number of crashes. There was trouble with him in the early days, back in the 70s. Thank you, George. Jennifer Mack is standing by at the White House. Now I say it here, it comes out the administration's there. next step. Jennifer? Ugh, I love the way you describe William Hurt. He's got that TV thing. <laughs> not necessarily smart. He does. <laughs> I know, I know. He's, oh, God, he's a great character. They're all, they're all great characters. Um... You know, this was written and directed by James L. Brooks, who is was just like a mostly a television powerhouse. Like he he goes back like to the Andy Griffith show as a writer, Rhoda, Taxi, Mary Tyler Moore, like virtually everything. He didn't do that many movies, but the ones that he did are the ones, you know, not just broadcast news, but terms of endearment as good as it gets. Um, He's just a great he's just got that thing with actors and characters and telling a story and making it fun. You know, I recommend this partly because it's like a workplace comedy, drama, romance, and there are all these different characters you can relate to. Maybe you feel like Tom, the new guy. Uh, Maybe you feel like Aaron, the guy who never gets the credit. Maybe you feel like Jane, the drama queen. Uh, Joan Cusack's got a great role in this movie. Oh, I forgot she's in this. With the, oh, she's so good. I totally oh, forgot. She's so good. Yes. The scene where she's trying to get the tape through the office and run it to the projection <laughs> guy. Oh, it's uh, not the projection guy, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. Anyway, but uh, so it's just just everything that's on screen is just absolute magic. But here is the secret reason I recommend this movie to Emily. Uh, James L. Brooks's first choice to play Jane Craig was Deborah Winger. <gasps> who was kind of a big star at the time, right? She'd just come off Officer and a Gentleman. Uh, she'd been in terms of endearment, um, but she was pregnant, and so she couldn't do it. And James L. Brooks thought of just about everyone except Holly Hunter, Sigourney Weaver, Christine Lottie, Mary Beth Hurt, Judy Davis. And then finally, they auditioned Holly Hunter. And here's the thing, Deborah Winger, would have been pretty good, right? She would have been like a little more serious, a little a little bit more womanly and sexy and kind of headstrong maybe, but Holly Hunter makes the character a little more like girly and fidgety and cute and vulnerable and she just shines in the role and she's fantastic and it's still the movie I think she's best known for. She got an Oscar nomination, she won a bunch of critics awards. She took the job and she ran with it and she did fantastic and she was like the the 10th choice. So I'm just saying to Emily, like, you just, you take the job you're given and you're grateful and you just run with it and do your best and it's all going to work out fine. Yes. Oh, what a great lesson, Rafer. I didn't know that story about Holly Hunter being not even in the top three choices. I had no idea. Yes. Because it almost feels like it was written for her. She just seems like that character. She's so good in it. Totally. And, you know, I mean, so much of Hollywood is like that, right? It's it's not even really that often that somebody is the is the first choice, um, you know, and things get a little bit rewritten. They get tailored, whatever. But, um, you know, there you go. It's just it's the role of a lifetime for her. And she was fantastic. Yeah. Well, that, that's a great lesson. Just uh, going to throw in a tiny bit of trivia here. You do know that the first choice to play Pretty Woman was not Julia Roberts. It was Molly Ringwald. So there you go. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. It would not have been the right movie for her. No, not it would the right not movie. Have been. Nope, not the right one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, that's great trivia. Okay, Kristen, so what do you have? I am recommending something that I am in absolute shock that I have not prescribed before. I had to look back through every episode, and I love this movie so much. I have seen it so many times. I want to prescribe it constantly. I can't believe I haven't. 
It is Spy from 2015. Oh, with Melissa McCarthy. Yes, Spy starring <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Oh, it is such a great movie. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there already know it. In Spy, Melissa McCarthy plays Susan Cooper. She is a desk-bound CIA employee. She essentially works in a basement. Nobody knows who she is. She works remotely assisting her glamorous partner, her field agent partner, Bradley Fine, played by Jude Law. Oh, yeah. Now, unfortunately, while on a mission, Bradley Fine is shot dead by an arms dealer named Raina played by the great Rose Byrne. Raina then reveals that she knows the identities of the CIA's top agents, but for some reason she doesn't know Susan Cooper's name. And so Susan Cooper volunteers to go undercover and to try and track down Raina, crack the case, and save the world. Of course, when she volunteers, most people in her department kind of raise an eyebrow. They're like, really? Susan Cooper? Here's a clip. You got this, Susan. You're a warrior. You're a weapon. Hey, okay? who knows what? Looks like you're sweating to me. Jesus! What are you doing in my room? Well, how did I get into this shitbox hotel room? Because I'm a real spy. I thought you quit. We have to stop the sale of a nuclear bomb. And they send in someone who looks like Santa Claus's fucking wife. Uh, did you forget? I am undercover. Because you're not supposed to be here. You really think you're ready for the field? I once used defibrillators on myself. I put shards of glass on my fucking eye. I've jumped from a high-rise building using only a raincoat as a parachute and broke both legs upon landing. And I still had to pretend I was in a fucking Cirque du Soleil show. I've swallowed enough microchips and shit them back out again to make a computer. This arm has been ripped off completely and reattached with this fucking arm. I don't know that that's possible. I mean, medically. This is a stupid movie and very funny. <laughs> it's so good. I, it's it's got some really funny stuff in it. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jason Sadum is so good in He's this. He's really good in this. Yeah. Yes, he he is essentially a comedy star, and I didn't know he was a comedy star until this movie. He was so good in this. I know, yeah. I know. I think he surprised everyone in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Now the reason I'm recommending this, uh, I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, it becomes clear early on that Susan Cooper, despite being kind of seen as the last choice is actually the perfect spy. Her training videos they look at show that she is an outstanding combat fighter. She is so good at fighting. <laughs> and because she doesn't look like a typical like movie star type, she can really blend in in a variety of situations that maybe somebody else would stand out in. And while, yes, Susan has every right to get down on herself, knowing she was no one's first choice. She never does get down on herself. She goes out there. She takes the work on with gusto. She does all she can to prove everybody else wrong. And more than anything, just to enjoy the job, just to enjoy the fact that she's there, enjoy the fact that she has the skills. And in the end, who cares if she was the first choice? She truly is the best choice for the job. I think that's a great recommendation and a very funny movie. I'd, I'd forgotten... Um... What a what a what a sort of a, a a nice lark that movie is. It's really fun. Yeah, it's so 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 fun. So once again, those recommendations are from Rafer Broadcast News and from me, Spy. Okay, it's time to take a quick break. But first, do you need some movie therapy? Visit our website, RaferandKristen.com, and fill out the contact form. You don't have to use your real name. And while you're there, check out our prescription pad, where we list every movie and television show we've ever prescribed here. 
When we're back, we tackle a letter from someone who's about to move in with her boyfriend and is concerned about one aspect of cohabitating. Hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope. Never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. Okay, we're back with our second letter of the week. Kristen... What does our second letter have to say? Well, this person is going by the initial E. I'm guessing that's for Emily. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) E writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, hi. In a couple months, I will be moving in with my boyfriend, and I'm both excited and nervous. I'm excited to spend more time with him and grow in our relationship, but he is very messy and I am not. This is my first time living with a significant other, and I don't want to screw it up by getting mad over petty things. How do I balance having a romantic relationship with him and a roommate relationship? Are there any movies or shows we can watch together to get prepared? Well, I feel like this is probably one of the most common concerns out there, don't you think? About to move in with the partner, and how's it going to go? Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I'm just going to own it right here, right now. I don't do any cooking or cleaning or laundry in my house. That's all my husband. He does all that stuff. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I'm a good-for-nothing layabout in my house. I really am. (laughs) I'm terrible. I don't know why he's married to me. I am very, very useless when it comes to domestic stuff. I just am. Christian, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. (laughs) Really? Well, I knew that Dean did a lot of cooking. I knew that Dean did a lot of cooking, but I didn't know he did the cleaning, too. Oh, yeah. He does the washing up. He folds all the clothes. He makes the beds. He does everything. Yeah, there's nothing he doesn't do. He unclogs the drains, takes out the trash. Um, Yeah, he does it all. I water the plants. Well, there you go. That's something. (laughs) And I'm trying to think of something else I do. But yeah, I water the plants. I mean, the fact is, when I lived by myself, it was just me to clean up after, and I really would do all the chores. I would take care of stuff because it was really just me in the house. But once it was the two of us, it became clear we have different ideas of what cleanliness is or should be or how Uh long a dish should sit in the sink. Mm -hmm. So since we had different standards, uh, Dean was more than happy to pick up the slack because he... Uh, I don't know if you'd call it an affliction or a wonderful quality. He's like, I like creating a nice nest for my woman. I want to make sure that she comes home to a nice house. And I want her to feel confident that I'll be there to take care of her, whether it's making dinner or folding her underpants. I want her to know I care for her. So it's just one of his ways of showing he cares. So it works for us. And I, I have asked him many times over the years, do you get resentful that my standards are different than yours? And he always says no. And I trust him. My wife is not that lucky. I'll just say. 
<laughs> oh, boy. Well, one tip may, not, may or may not work for you. My wife is very big on um, systems, systems and schedules. It's a big thing mm. with her. Um, I can't say it works 100%. Uh, it's easy to sort of get off track and kind of forget where you were and whose day is what, but it is one, it is one solution and it has worked for us here and there very well. Mm, That way it's not her fault or yours. It's the system's fault. (laughs) It's the system. (laughs) (laughs) So Kristen, what are you going to prescribe? All right. I'm going to prescribe a little TV show that ran from 1993 to 2004. It originally aired on NBC and has been in syndication ever since. It's called Frasier. Oh, sure. I loved Frasier. Oh, I loved Frasier, too. Frasier was a spinoff of another show that we've recommended uh, before on the podcast, Cheers, which I was a huge fan of. Cheers was... Oh, I'd forgotten about that. That's right. Yeah. Yep. I know. Isn't that weird? That's a spinoff of that show. I know. I, t- I totally forgot. <laughs> And it centers on a man named Frazier. He's a psychiatrist who hosts a popular Seattle radio show, a call-in show where people essentially are doing what they do with me and Rafer, actually, only he gives real advice. And he's an intellectual. He's an elitist. He's persnickety. And his luxury apartment is just what you would expect. It has a wall of glass, and it's decorated in minimalist fashion. But his roommate... Martin, who also happens to be his father, is very different. He's a rugged former cop. He speaks in plain English. He has no patience for the fussiness of his son. He has a naughty dog that does what it wants to do, and he insists on having his beat-up lazy boy chair in the center of the living room, even though it's taped up on the side and looks anything but tidy. Here's a clip. Well, this couldn't have worked out any better for you, could it? You've been trying to get rid of that chair from the day I moved in here. Dad, you could at least show a little gratitude. I, I didn't do this for me. I did it for you. Why, hell? She said, you're acting like I lost the chair on purpose. Hey, let me tell you something. That chair was the only thing that made me feel comfortable in this house. That made me feel that maybe this was my home, too. Oh, baloney. Jeez. Ever since you got here, all I'm trying to do is make you comfortable. I don't even know why I bothered. I mean, everybody knows that Martin Crane doesn't like calf skin. He prefers duct tape. <laughs> and food crumbs. There we are. And let's have a little dribble of beer while we're at it. Why not? There, that's delightful. Oh, and let's not forget to top it all off. Just the slightest bit of dog hair. Hmm? <laughs> I suppose you're going to be throwing Eddie out by the dumpster next. Oh, Dad, I don't know why you're carrying on this way. We are, after all, talking about a 25-year-old broken-down chair. If you don't like this chair, I'll get you another one. Any chair you want. Really? Okay, so, I mean, I think I know the reason, Kristen, but why are you prescribing this? Well, I am prescribing Frasier because, you know, a lot of people cohabitate with loved ones who have different standards of cleanliness and decor, as we already said. Yes. And yes, these arrangements can drive everyone in the house nuts, but there are ways to minimize the frustration, and Frasier and Martin quickly learn them, and the big one is by employing a housekeeper, Daphne, who also happens to be Martin's physical therapist. Oh, yes, Daphne. Yes, and in addition to keeping a very tidy house, Daphne also is just a delightful person who lightens the mood and puts both men in their place when they deserve it. So in a way, she's also a couples therapist. Now, here's, here's where you come into the equation, E. I think that you and your boyfriend before you move in together 
might want to talk about these kinds of things. Do you want to bring in a housekeeper once a month? Do you want to talk to a couples therapist who can help you navigate uh, this new transition you're making? It's not a problem to ask for help, and it's not a bad thing to talk in advance about the ways you can minimize these frustrations that you're inevitably going to have with each other. And I think Fraser and Martin are a great example of how things can be easier when you get help from other people. And and obviously, not everybody can afford a housekeeper. Not everybody can afford counseling. Right. But if nothing else, you can at least plan in advance for those inevitable uh, moments of friction. I think that's a pretty good recommendation. That makes me want to watch it again. Um, <laughs> you know, we've been, like I say, we've we we watched all of Friends, um, and uh, we're sort of fishing around for another kind of '90s ish era uh, comedy that we could watch. Um, we've tried a few that just sort of didn't cut it. Will and Grace, we liked. For a while, like the kids kind of fizzled out on it, but uh, Frasier might be a good one to, to try. I remember I remember liking that show a lot. Oh yeah, it's very good writing, and the characters are just they're they're delightful. They're irritating and funny, and yes, uh, and it, it's a really funny show. But Reefer, what about you? What are you going to prescribe? E. Well, I'm just going to hit the nail smack on the head about as hard as I can and recommend from 1968 the original Odd Couple. Oh. <gasps> Oh, the Odd Couple. Not the not the TV show, but the movie. Not the TV show, but the original film that started it all. Oh, with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. Exactly right. And it's the classic story about the slob and the neat freak who move in together. Um, <laughs> again, not a couple couple, but friends. Um, Jack Lemmon is Felix Unger. He's the neat freak. Walter Matthau is Oscar Madison. He's the slob. I think a lot of people probably haven't seen this original film. They've probably seen the television show. But in the film, it opens with Felix walking around the city. He's depressed because his wife has left him, checks into a hotel. And it's not because he doesn't have a place to stay. It's because he's looking for a window to jump out of. Doesn't work. And through a series of events, Felix winds up living with this guy named Oscar, whose wife also divorced him not too long ago. And the two guys start thinking, hey, this will be fun. Two friends, two bachelors will live it up like the old college days. What could go wrong? Well, Felix is, a, as I say, a neat freak, and he starts to drive Oscar nuts. He's too clean. He's too tidy. He's too quick to whisk away a dish or wipe up a spill. He's the kind of guy who actually washes playing cards between uses. And, of course, <laughs> Oscar is also no picnic. He smokes cigars everywhere. He leaves old food in the fridge for weeks until it turns brown. You know, he likes his beer. He likes his scotch. Uh, and what started out as a fun situation starts to kind of fray everyone's nerves. And here's a clip. What's wrong, Oscar? Something wrong with this system. That's what's wrong. I don't think that two single men living alone in a big eight-room apartment should have a cleaner house than my mother. Well, wait, 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 what are you talking about? I didn't say that you have to do it. You don't have to clean up. Well, what you do is worse. You're always in my bathroom, hanging up my towels. Whenever I smoke, you follow me around with an ashtray. Last night, I found you in the kitchen, washing the floor, shaking your head and moaning, footprints, footprints. I didn't say they were yours. Well, they were mine, damn it. I have feet and they make prints. What do you want me to do, climb across the cabinets? No, I just want you to walk on the floor. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I really Look, do. All I'm trying to do is keep this place livable. I didn't know I irritated you that much. Leave my pictures alone. I was just trying to even them up. I want oh. them uneven. They're my pictures. Even up your own pictures. <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take. How long what would take? Before I got on your nerves. Uh, 
Rafer, I can't remember the last time I saw this movie, but I can say I've seen probably every episode of the show multiple times. I loved the TV show. Oh, is that right? Yeah, as a little kid, there were reruns always syndicated where I grew up, and I just yep. I loved this TV show. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so that was Tony Randall and Jack Klugman, um, who also yes. I remember being wonderful. I was not I was not a super fan like you were, but I also remember both of them being really funny. And then they did a remake with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick too. I would still recommend the original. I just find it very charming. Uh, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau are just so good at it. I mean, like, they were just born to play these roles, especially Jack Lemmon, because, to be honest, the Felix character is a little annoying. Like, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's neurotic. He's uptight. He's a, he's, he's a little passive-aggressive. <laughs> and this is one reason, kind of, why I recommend this movie. Um, I think, when you kind of get down to it, the movie's kind of on Oscar's side. I think Oscar is actually the protagonist of the story, and Felix is kind of the kooky character who drops into his life and teaches him a lesson and changes him. And when, I mean, when the movie ends, Oscar's the one, I think, who has changed the most. Some of Felix's neatness has kind of rubbed off on him for the better. He's made him sort of more civilized, more of a proper adult. But I think, you know, Oscar the slob uh, has some really good points about Felix. You know, like like... Could you maybe chill a little bit? Is it is it so bad to leave the dishes just sitting in the sink overnight? Um, you know, and E, our listener, if you were to watch this movie with your boyfriend, you know, maybe he'll see a little bit of himself in Oscar and maybe ask, you know, is it a little selfish to leave those dishes just sitting there? Uh, you know, maybe it's worth getting up and doing them and, you know, putting a little extra effort in. And so maybe, you know, this kind of quaint, old movie from the late 60s might be kind of a lighthearted way to kick off a few conversations. So that's why I recommend it. Uh, and I think you'll just laugh and laugh, too. It's it's very funny. It is. But yeah, Rafer, I agree with you. Starting the conversation is the first and most important part. Uh, go in there prepared. Don't just move in together and then start fighting. Have those conversations right. now. Start them now. Start them early. Have them often. <laughs> So once again, our recommendations are from Rafer, The Odd Couple, and from me, Frazier. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. But before we do, thanks to everyone who's reviewed and rated us with five stars in Apple Podcasts. For example, Enamored With This Show recently gave us five stars and wrote, I listened to Kristen's other podcast by the book, co-hosted with Jolenta, which I love. But movie therapy gives me something else that has been the perfect mixture of fun and healing in the lonely times of a pandemic. Oh, Enamored, that is so sweet. Is that really your name, Enamored with the show? Because no matter who you review, I bet they're so happy when they see that review from you. I was just thinking the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) All right. Well, Enamored and everybody else, stay with us. When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. are back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Rafer, who do we have now? We have Whitney. And Whitney says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, Last summer, while I was furloughed from my job and needed a mental break from the state of the world, I found strange joy in over-the-top, rarely realistic, currently airing TV shows about first responders, particularly firefighters. Confession. (laughs) I watched eight seasons of Chicago Fire in four weeks. I also binged 911. 
and 911 Lone Star. And I even dug up DVDs of Third Watch from my local library, but only two seasons have been released. Now that the regular TV season has ended and shows are on a hiatus, I am out of firefighter content to devour. Help! What should I watch to fill the firefighter-shaped hole in my free time? Wow! This letter is so fun. It is so specific. It is so niche. <laughs> and know. confession, Rafer, I don't actually know half these shows. <laughs> I don't either. I watch a lot of TV, but I don't even know these shows. <laughs> I didn't know that there was a 911, let alone a 911 Lone Star spinoff. Yes. Who knew? <laughs> Third Watch rings know. a bell. Third Watch rings a distant bell to me. And Chicago Fire. I think I've heard of Chicago Fire, yeah, and that's about that's, it. That's the most <laughs> famous one, I think. Yeah, boy, that's um, yeah, that's really specific. There's something a little, uh, there's something a little fetishistic there, in a good way. <laughs> yes. Uh, why not fetishize heroes? Firefighters are heroes, right? <laughs> totally. Well, Kristen, uh, uh, even though you didn't know these shows, uh, did you find one for uh, for our listener? I did. And confession, I've only seen a few episodes of it. I actually stumbled across it on HBO. It's currently streaming there, but it's originally a production from True TV. Oh, yeah. It is a series that started in 2019 and is still running. It's called Tacoma FD. Do you know Tacoma FD, Rafer? No, but it sounds very promising. <laughs> well, Tacoma <laughs> FD is not a high drama show like uh, Chicago Fire. It is a little half-hour sitcom, and it takes place in a firehouse in Tacoma, Washington. And as you can imagine, uh, Tacoma, due to its rainy climate, does not have a lot of fires to put out. That's a good point. Yes. So what do the firefighters do? Well, they tackle a lot of less glamorous emergencies, but they always do it with a sense of humor. Here's a clip. You ever see this before? Dude stuck upside down in the vent of a condom truck? No, this is a first. Yeah, so I just talked to that girl in the pink dress back there. She and this guy were in a car about to have sex, but they didn't have a condom. So he saw the truck and tried to climb on top and just rolled down the hill until it hit this tree. Truck must have had some kind of special protection to prevent an accident. (laughs) I guess that explains all the rubberneckers. We need to get this dick out before he causes more damage. (laughs) This whole thing is really inconceivable. Come on, Proby, let's quit with the ribbing. (laughs) I bet you he's, uh... Come on, man. I bet this is all you, Ike. You got it, baby. Oh, you're waiting for me? I uh, I don't have one. Well, if you try hard enough, it'll come. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go. Let's bust a nut. Okay, so Tacoma FD is a is a comedy. Yes. It's not a drama like Chicago Fire. I get it. Yes. I get it. I like that. It, and it's not just a comedy. It's a dad comedy. So it's not going to be for everybody. As you can hear, <laughs> there's a lot of puns. This is not the most sophisticated TV show you're ever going to come across. It's probably one of the least sophisticated ones you'll ever come across. But my gut tells me it probably has more in common with real-life firefighting than other shows on TV. Uh And uh, partly that's because, thank goodness, cities are not constantly burning down. And firefighters, fortunately, are not spending 12 hours a day every day putting out fires Outside of California, mostly. Yeah, right. And um, a lot of times they're sitting in the firehouse and they're trying to keep their morale up. Maybe there is uh, some art on the wall that we used to call successories, as there is in Tacoma FD. You know, inspirational <laughs> quotes on the wall. Maybe yes. there's a chore chart, uh, much like the chore chart that perhaps your wife has at home for you, Rafer. Mm-hmm, uh, there yes. are all these things that are just part of what it's like to be in a firehouse where there aren't a lot of fires. And that's what makes the show so fun. You get to see the things that aren't going to put them on the front page of the paper. Things like rescuing an alpaca from a schoolyard or 
helping somebody who's locked out of their house. You know, these are not glamorous things, but frankly, that's what firefighters do a lot of the time. And it's kind of fun just to watch them and to egg each other on and to tell each other terrible, terrible dad jokes. Not everyone's cup of tea, but if you like a dad joke, if you like a pun, I think you're going to like Tacoma FD. Oh, I think that sounds actually kind of charming and, 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 and kind of sweet. But Rafer, what about you? Are you going to recommend something closer to Chicago Fire for our listener here? Yeah, I think I feel pretty good about this one. Um, I think I've got something that's gonna uh, that's gonna that's gonna hit the sweet spot here. I chose a movie that I don't think that many people have seen from 2017 called Only the Brave. I don't think I've ever heard of this movie, Rafer. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it was not um, it was not a massive hit. It was not a big blockbuster. Um, it's a true life drama about the Granite Mountain Hotshots, which is, yes, that is their real name, the Granite Mountain Hotshots. They were a group of elite firefighters, I kid you not, who battled the Yarnell Hill Fire in Arizona in 2013, which was one of the deadliest wildfires in U.S. history, something like the top six or something, not just modern history, U.S. history, real event. So here's our cast of characters. You've got Eric Marsh, who is the leader of the Hotshots, played by Josh Brolin. He's a recovering addict. He's a Buddhist. He's one of those guys who has the undying love of the men in his crew. Miles Teller plays Brandon McDonough. Uh, He's the screw-up. Young guy, drug abuser, can't hold a job. Captain Marsh sees a little of himself, and Brandon decides to take a chance on him. And they'll both be put to the test when a lightning strike starts the Yarnell Hill fire. And I'll just warn you, not everyone makes it out alive. Here's a clip. Brendan. Brendan. <laughs> Should have been me. <laughs> yeah, he was better than me. They were all better than no. me. No, shh. Don't say that. Look at me. Look at me! Don't you dare do this! We can't do that. Do you understand? Oh, Rafer, this sounds like it was written, produced, directed, and released completely with Whitney in mind. Whitney, this sounds like this is perfect for you. Totally. Um, This was... um, this is part of like a, a kind of a little mini genre that um, I don't think has an official name. You could call them like American hero movies uh, or like they're kind of like proxy war movies in a way. They they look and sound and feel like war movies, but they're not technically about war. They're about firefighters or cops or the Coast Guard or rescue mm-hmm. workers, right? Uh, Peter Berg, the director, and, and Mark Wahlberg kind of started this off with um, Deepwater Horizon about the oil rig workers or Patriot Day about the uh, cops on uh, at the Boston Marathon bombing. You had the finest hours about the Coast Guard. And then you had this movie, Only the Brave. And it's unapologetically macho. It's just a, it's a <laughs> m- macho story about firefighters in the western part of America. The women in this movie are not important. Their job is to cry, and they do it wonderfully. The Jennifer Connelly and Annie <laughs> McDowell, excellent, excellent crying. But again, I don't want to be too flip about it, because it is a true story, and, and the movie works pretty well. Um, uh, the fire scenes are actually like really, really dramatic and terrifying and gripping. The director is a guy named Joseph Kaczynski, uh, whose name I didn't really know at the time, but I think we will all know his name pretty soon because he's directing Top Gun Maverick with Tom Cruise, 
which is coming out in November. This, I think, Whitney, I think this will definitely scratch your fire itch. Um, it's it's good, solid, kind of corny, embrace the cliches, movie making. You know, I, I'll be surprised if you don't shed a tear. And the only other thing I want to say is there is another recent firefighter movie that you may have seen in your queue or that may have been pushed on you if you've been watching all this firefighter content, Whitney. That movie is called um, Those Who Wish Me Dead with Angelina Jolie as a firefighter. Don't see that movie. I had to sit through that movie. I'm telling you, don't watch that. You will be much better off with Only the Brave. Really? That's been pushed to me, too, but that's because I like female-led action movies, but you're saying don't watch that one. don't watch that movie. I'm just, if you watch that movie, you have only yourself to blame. (laughs) I just erased the name of the movie from my mind, so I don't even know what it's called. I just erased it. It's gone. Good work. Good work. (laughs) All right. So our recommendations are from me, Only the Brave, and from Kristen, Tacoma FD. And that, Rafer, is it for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. We're all done. We just burned right through it, didn't we, Kristen? Oh! That's a little dad humor. Are you writing for Tacoma FD on the side? Oh, I did it. I did it. (laughs) Okay, just because I made that joke does not mean that the conversation is over, folks. You can always join (laughs) us on our Facebook community. That is facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. We so appreciate it. And thanks also to the Airwave Media Podcast Network, which we're proudly a part of. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows, like Food with Mark Bittman and The Projection Booth. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.